So John, what is your biggest gift and how would you use it to save or end the world? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that my greatest gift is the gift of laughter. Well, crickets. <laughs> crickets. <laughs> and yeah, I think I could use that to heal the world in a pinch, you know. Okay, how would you use it to end the world? Well, if your reaction to that little one-liner was anything to go by, I'd just... <laughs> Kill him with boredom. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Some films just the way they Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are picturing prequels, sequels and spin-offs to The Girl with All the Gifts. Yay. We'll also be picturing some drinking games and hearing from my listeners with the submissions they've posted on social media. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the film and give a bit of a plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most gifts to give. I have never received one as far as I'm aware. Mm, sure. Okay. <laughs> what about these coasters right here? As that's true, you did bless me two years ago with these 99 pence green coasters. So and don't you forget I will bitch. never forget that, yeah. And joining me as always, co-host who likes all sorts of meats, is John Lucas. Fair, yes. Yes. Can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, okay, so the girl with all the gifts then. Yeah! What, 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 what did you think of this? Is this a Patreon episode? This is a Patreon... Well, yeah, it's a Patreon pick. Um, yeah. Yes, this was chosen by our good friend of the pod, Julio, from the Contrarians podcast. Mm-hmm. Do check them out. I'll put a promo in the interval break, and we'll give you the, all the links in the description as well. But yes, we while we've been on lockdown, we haven't had much of a chance to do Patreon episodes, so we're trying to get that back up a little bit. And yes, Julio suggested this one for what will become obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm very glad he did. I did not see this film when it came out in the cinemas. No, I the, never, never heard about for it. For the two days it was probably running, unfortunately. <laughs> oh. No, that's something like, I, I'm surprised. Watching this film, I was like, this film deserves to have been like a hit. Like, it's yeah. smart, it's exciting. It, it looks ex- good. It's accessible, it's got stars. It doesn't, you know? doesn't look low budget, this film, Not at all, it? no, no. I, I can only assume that this film is one of those things that like got lost in, like, the marketing campaign just fell apart. Like, they didn't know how mm. to sell it because... This is absolutely up there with 28 Days Later as, like, great mm. British horror zombie movies, I think. Yeah. I really, I mean, we'll talk about, I really enjoyed it. I thought mm-hmm. it was great, like, tr- really entertaining and smart, had a point of view, brilliantly acted. All the acting was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed this, so a very good pick from Julio. Yeah, yeah I, th- I thought this was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I thought this was really good. I was not going to say I was sold from the get-go, because Julio did recommend to us that we go in blind. Yes. So like, I was like, oh, God, what is this? I know Glenn Close is in this, and we've got a history. Um, <laughs> I like to like say that as if like you and Glenn Close are like enemies. Like... <laughs> she knows what she did. <laughs> um, yeah, but... Uh... Well, let's, let's do a plot summary, I guess. Sure, yeah. Well, first of all, I didn't know even that this is a zombie movie. No, me neither. So that that was <clears throat> made an additional level of excitement, because I think it takes about 20 minutes for the movie to reveal that it is yeah. sort of a zombie movie. And I think that knowing that it was a zombie movie, and then watching it, would maybe have been quite boring for the first section. Because you'd know what you were building yeah, to. Yeah, you'd be yeah. like, okay, come on, bring in the zombies. Yeah. You so, know, that you, you compare it to something else, like, say, 28 Days Later... They're not mm. necessarily showing the zombies, but like they're showing here's the apocalypse world. True, yeah, this film right straight out the at the 
Straight okay. out the gate. Straight out the gate, yeah. Um, and like I say, Sean the Dead, they just tease it all the way until they actually show them. And it, yeah. And you know exactly what it is you're watching. Mm-hmm. This one, yeah, they don't. But yeah, it was really interesting to go in blind and work it out and yeah. Good morning, Mr. Just to know. Helen, we are in the middle of a procedure. Leave it. I'm not doing this anymore. More self-doubt, Helen. We are so close. This isn't what I signed up for. It is exactly what you signed up for. We're cutting up children. They present as children. You know my opinion on that. That the pathogen, that the fungus does their thinking for them. You only have to speak to them for five minutes. I do that every day. I read your reports every day. Helen, this is an argument I've had with myself a thousand times. But I'm listening. So yeah, it's a British film. It's directed by Colm McCarthy, mm-hmm. who also wrote the original novel. It's based on an original book mm-hmm. called Also the Girl of All the Gifts. And it opens in some kind of military facility in Britain. Mm-hmm. And we meet this little girl who's about maybe 10, 12 years old, maybe? Like that, Probably about yeah. 12, uh, called Melanie. Mm-hmm. And she is one of many children who appears to be imprisoned in this facility. Mm-hmm. And they all are in solitary confinement and they're all strapped down in kind of wheelchair kind of things to make sure mm-hmm. they can't move their arms and legs or their heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're being kept alive and they're being sent to classes. Yeah. And they're being taught things. But it seems like they're being mistreated and the film doesn't really tell you why initially. Mm. And kind of as it goes along, you see that the guards of the facility really mistrust them. Like they are always having guns pointed right at their heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not left alone for any period of time particularly. Um, I'm just wondering, how many kids did they start off with? Yeah, because they're really working their way through them. Yeah, because, like, well, in in this you get through a couple, but I'm just thinking all these guns that are constantly pointed at them are held by people who are absolutely terrified. All Mm. somebody would need to do would just be to move their arm really quickly and And they'd be dead. They'd get shot in the head. Well, that's why they're strapped down. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Mm. True. But no, you're right. Absolutely. Well, the film or kind of explains. Just, like, they cough or something and somebody would just get a bit, not necessarily trigger happy, but just like, a bit accidentally scared. And... Mm. And yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things, right? As, mu- as many movies as you watch, there are some things that you, you will, I never get used to. And one of those things is like violence towards children. It, mm. it always like upsets me. So like any film where like a gun is being pointed at a small child's head, it's, it's always a tough watch for me. Right? What do you think about children being violent? Because this film has both. Yeah, that's not... I don't know, that, that doesn't upset me as much. I think that's because then I'm like, oh, well, it's this, and then I can kind the of put it... The adults are the victims, so it's... Yeah. yeah. If it's like an evil... Well, the children in this aren't necessarily evil, but if it's like... If that's the premise, then you can be like, oh, well, this is just silly. Yeah. But no, I just... It's, there's something about like guns being pointed at little, little children that just, you know, I just find very difficult to watch, so... I did get taken out of this a bit. I'm dropping ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where she eats two people. Yeah. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I laughed at that scene, too, because it was just like... <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, this is our main character who we're rooting for, and she's just eaten two people. Mm. Okay. But I love that. How do we move forward with this? (laughs) I loved that, though, because it it really, it it never pretended that Melanie was a completely innocent character. It it made her very much part of this ecosystem that, I mean, when we get to what the film's about, Mm. I think that's really important that she Mm. is, in fact, she's not innocent. She's part of this ecosystem that is, that makes her a carnivore and a killer, Mm. but yeah, we'll get to that. So she's in this facility. All the soldiers treat her with absolute terror and hold her at gunpoint. But she goes to class and she's taught by a lovely lady called Mrs. Justino, played mm-hmm. by Gemma Arterton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's the only character, the only adult character who seems to take pity on these children. And she seems yeah. to really see them as, as 
people and as human beings and as small children. And she really tries to make their lives better, but she's always being told not to by the guards. Like mm. The guards are like, don't touch them, don't look at them, mm-hmm. and just teach them. Uh, and she kind of goes against that. But uh, we, we find out why, because on one occasion when she tries to make physical contact with Melanie, she touches her on the top of her head mm. to kind of tell her, well done for a good job mm-hmm. in school. Uh, the guards run in and they say, they say, this is why you can't do this. And they rub their arms in front they, of the they, kids. They spit on their arms. They spit on their arms and they wipe off what we later discover is a scent blocker. Yeah. And it sends the kids into a wild rage. And that's when we realise the kids are zombies mm, yeah they are flesh-eating zombies yeah. but they also have the, the minds and the consciousnesses of children mm-hmm. so that's why they're locked down basically and it turns out that this whole film exists in a post-apocalyptic world where some kind of fungal viral mm-hmm. infection has spread this pandemic has spread across the world mm-hmm. uh, and it's killed most people and these soldiers are like among the last survivors trying to hold on and trying to find out yeah. a vaccine trying to find some kind of cure for this situation yeah one of the main characters in this is glenn close our mm-hmm. old friend glenn close who plays a scientist i can't remember the character's name but she's she's a scientist Doesn't matter. Yeah, she's, she's a scientist yeah um and she's trying to develop a vaccine to the viral pandemic thing mm-hmm. and she does that by dissecting these children mm-hmm. who we learn are these second generation zombies mm-hmm. where basically this this pandemic it's a, very, it's a very specific way of coming into being it is know. yeah so what, what we find out and this is much later in the film is that this thing hit the world it's like walking dead style mm-hmm. one day it hit all the adults died mm-hmm. became zombies ate each other you know it spread across the globe yeah and all the children in the film are the children of women who were pregnant at the time of this happening mm-hmm. and they caught onto it and became zombies and they ate their way out of the womb mm-hmm. which is a horrifying mental image yeah it is isn't it uh, and they did that when, when they when Glenn Close sort of initially sort of said that she she started off by basically just giving a little hint that that was what happened mm-hmm. and I was like oh yeah I like that they they, they flirted with that idea in The Walking Dead once mm, yes they did yeah yeah, and, and they didn't actually do anything with it mm. um, this film like go right fully goes there yeah, yeah and I was, I was I was a bit taken aback at how much detail Glenn Close actually went into without anybody saying, okay, stop, I get the picture. Well, this film really like is not afraid. Maybe this is why it wasn't easy to sell because this film definitely goes to some very dark mm. places with some of the things it shows, mm-hmm. which we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But yeah, so th- these are children who were fetuses or unborn babies, ate their way out of the womb. Yeah. But what distinguishes them from the rest of the zombies? The rest of the zombies are like literally mindless zombies. Although I should say, not zombies, hungries. <sighs> I hate this so much. Yeah. Like, why can't they just call them zombies? Like, what you're, is this? Like, like, you're, you're not smart by not saying no. the word zombie. Like, I don't know where this has come from, where every zombie film, TV show, whatever... Has to make up its own word for yeah, zombie. Yeah, but at this, I think Hungry's might be the stupidest one, yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame, because it's such a smart film. Yeah. But Hungry's, come on. Mm. Just call them zombies. We don't care. Yeah. Just say it. Own it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Everybody knows the word zombie. Yeah. It's like, it's like it's become this taboo now. It's like, okay, the yeah. Walking Dead calls them walkers. And mm. uh, what did they call them in 28 Days Later? I can't remember, but... Oh, maybe just the infected. The infected. Like, but nobody ever calls them zombies. And it's like it's like yeah. Hamlet. Sure, the Dead called them zombies. No, it didn't. It, it, it did. No, no uh, some characters, um, like Nick Frost, did say zombies, but then Sean the Dead was like, oh, well, they, they made a joke of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's it. It's like, at this point, it's gone so far the other way, you'd be better just calling them zombies. Yeah. But whatever. But these children who are, were in the, the womb when they were converted, they are different. The adults 
I'm just going to call them zombies or hungries. Yeah. The adults just literally are zombies. They are, you know, your classic shuffling, walking around, mm-hmm. eating people's brains, mm-hmm. no no cognitive function, zombies. Yeah. But these children, they present as normal children. They, they have feelings, they you know have how, thoughts. Um, Glenn Close is trying to come up with a, with a cure or a yes. vaccine or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really not the be-all and end-all that she makes out that it's going to be. Because most people seem to die from this just by getting literally eaten alive. Yeah. And, like, no cure is going to make you uneatable. Well, true. <laughs> <laughs> like, like some people do, like, get a little bite on the arm and then they turn into a zombie. And, yeah, I get it. It would, I guess, stop that. But the majority of people just literally get ripped apart. I don't think she's looking for something to bring people back from the dead. <laughs> I think she's looking for something to stop the zombies so that mm. hum- humanity can come back again. Yeah. It's the infection she wants to stop, not okay. the... Yeah. The people who are dead, are, you're right, people who have been eaten... They've been eaten. That's yeah. it. But people who've just been bitten turn into zombies. Classic. Yeah. But these children, they present as normal children, you know, with feelings and thoughts and mm-hmm. emotions and personalities, whatever. But they are also hungry for human flesh. Mm. And so the reason they're in the military facility is that they're being experimented on mm-hmm. to try and find this vaccine. And they're also trying to figure out, like, to what extent they're human. That's why they're doing They're educating them, all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But... Yeah, they can't afford to let them loose because as soon as they get a sense of human blood or flesh, whatever, they're kind of overcome by the cravings and they mm. start, like, biting. Yeah. So, yeah, Gemma Otterton's character feels a lot of sympathy for them, whereas Glenn Close's character is very much just, like, all about dissecting them and trying to find a cure. And then Paddy Considine plays mm. one of the soldiers, like mm-hmm. the main soldier, and he doesn't trust them at all. No. But what the humans do is they wear this, uh, in the military facility, they wear this, like, gel that's called a blocker, mm-hmm. and it blocks the scent of human flesh, I guess, mm-hmm. which means that there's, it's safe to be around the zombies, and the zombies don't, mm-hmm. imme- or the hungries, don't immediately start feeling the desire to eat them. Yeah. Basic- yeah. Basically, yeah. So that happens. So she's being mistreated. Gemma Arton tries to be nice to her, tries to help her, but it backfires. Melanie tries to eat her. Mm-hmm. As a consequence, Melanie becomes the next person to be dissected. Mm-hmm. So she is then taken into Glenn Close's lab mm. and she's about to be dissected and killed. But just before that happens, a zombie horde attacks the facility. Mm-hmm. Most of the soldiers and the staff are killed. Now, I kind of liked that we we sort of didn't see the, the horde really uh, wrecking the facility. No, they and, kept and, it. And, and breaking in. Like, that's not quite what this film is about mm. but I also really was wondering like okay how did an, an entire army base just fall because some zombies got in surely they would have spent they had a lot of time on their hands surely they'd have spent all that time doing drills for like what if the walls fail yeah I can only assume it's like the walking dead where like maybe just like they've been keeping the base like imagine if like you've got to think of the majority of the population of the UK which is what 60 million people something like that yeah all became zombies, and there's like only a few holdouts. Yeah. Like you can defend yourself from individuals, but if if a, if a herd attacks, mm. then maybe there's nothing you can do. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah, but when you got a fence and you got yeah, but if twenty thousand, thirty thousand people, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know. Also, this film had a low budget. That's why they didn't show it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess they splurged all their budget on Glenn Close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying they should have done it differently, but I'm just. I know I'm, what you mean. I'm, I know I'm, what you mean. Just, just kind of wondering, like that army base kind of fell seemingly very easily yeah yeah yeah. but I think it's good that they kept that ambiguous yeah but yes so the horde attacks overruns the facility in the confusion Melanie escapes Mm -hmm. she rescues 
Gemma Otterton from the zombies and from the, the soldiers. She's mm-hmm. been arrested for trying to save Melanie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she rescues her by, as you mentioned, killing a couple of humans by mm-hmm. like just jumping at them like, <laughs> yeah, and eating their necks. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, because that initially starts with, you know, she's saving her from zomb- other zombies or whatever. Mm. But then it very quickly, like, she just kills two soldiers. Yeah, she is who she is. Mm. I think that's important to the plot. Yeah. But, yeah, so she saves her, and in the confusion, the two of them escape, jump into the back of a tank, mm. where, which also contains Glenn Close, who's also escaped, mm-hmm. and Paddy Considine. Yeah. And also two red shirts. Yeah. <laughs> two of the greatest... The reddest shirted red shirts you'll ever find in a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. They are the ultimate red shirts. I was like, you two are dead men walking. Yeah. Like, one of them lasted longer than I thought. Like, he got a name and he got to be a part of it. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I didn't even notice him until after the first guy died. Yeah. Genuinely. Uh, no, no, same. And then he's like, oh, well. And, and then he, yeah, he becomes a main character. And I'm just like, all right, so they're going to try and save Kieran or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. We'll get to that. Clearly, no. <laughs> But it was because it was like Glenn Close, Paddy Considine, Gemma Rodstein, like three very famous, you know, adult actors. The child, who's obviously the focus of this movie. Yeah. And this guy in a red shirt is clearly going to (laughs) be not going to last the movie. But uh, yeah, so they escape the facility. Uh, One thing leads to another. The other red shirt dies. He just gets very quickly killed. Uh, But they end up in London. Yeah. And they're trying to reconnect with whatever's left of the military and they also need to find a safe place to hide out Mm -hmm. so they are wandering through london and melanie has the advantage the little girl because because she is a hungry technically Mm. the other zombies don't care about her they they, they've got no interest in eating her or like they don't respond to her so she's kind of immune yeah so she can walk among them safely whereas the humans have to even though they're wearing the blocker gel they have to be very careful because if they attract attention they could be eaten alive Mm. And so she starts to win the trust of... Well, Jerry Austin already trusts her. Mm. But Paddy Considine and Glenn Close, she starts to win their trust by like proving that she actually wants to help them and keep them alive. And mm-hmm. you know, she kind of saves them a few times and they manage to find some places to hide. I really liked, actually, the one twist on the whole zombie thing that I thought was really good was this idea that when the zombies aren't feeding, they're sleeping. Yeah. Which I don't think I've seen in a zombie film before. No, not really. So it means that basically all of the zombies, when they're not attacking people, are... St- like asleep standing up mm. so it means yeah, that they're there in- initially I didn't take it to mean that they were asleep though that is definitely what they were mm. um, I thought they'd just sort of run out of any motivation to do anything sure but they're, um, they're, they're but, inactive but, and they're but not... yeah, yeah like they definitely are asleep because like some of them just get woken up like one by one yeah it's like loud noises or the sense of human flesh will arouse them but ultimately yeah. they're just it, 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 it was a new take on like the zombie thing you can having people walk through an actual horde of mm zombie people and it's just like if you make a noise they're going to wake up but if you don't then you, you, you're safe yeah and and Glenn Close plays it risky as fuck she does in maybe <laughs> the most disturbing scene in the movie yeah yeah yeah. so they're walking through this horde of zombies and you know they see one zombie that's pushing a pram mm. and Glenn Close is like oh this is new mm-hmm. so she kind of walks up to it and stops it with her foot mm-hmm. so that she can investigate what's because she can see that the pram is moving and it's like, oh God, zombie baby, zombie baby. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, so ready for zombie baby. Y- yeah, so- and it was so much worse yeah, than a zombie was- baby. It was so <laughs> awful. I'm so glad. I think it's one of those things where they, obviously, it was a quick cut. So I bet they showed yeah. far less than you think, but your imagination does all the work. Yeah. So basically she thinks it's a zombie baby and she's like, oh, they've never, there's been no record of zombies being maternal. Mm. So she kind of stops the, the pram with her foot and mm. the zombie's just kind of, you know, walking on the spot because mm-hmm. it doesn't really know. And then she uses her gun to 
put the blanket over and oh it's a rat eating a dead baby and mm-hmm. oh I did not feel well <laughs> <laughs> that was upsetting yeah um, so yeah and she screams and all the zombies wake up and then mm-hmm. they have to fight their way out and they make their way to a, a safe space anyway they find themselves locked in I think a school or something mm-hmm. uh, yeah. something some kind of facility yeah so and this is where Melanie the little girl She's like, well, send me out and I'll, I'll distract the zombies. The whole time she's been like locked up and she's wearing a mask. They put a mask over her face to make mm-hmm. sure she can't possibly, yeah. you know, because she still does get this hunger to eat people. Mm. Uh, but she says, if you let me outside, I'll find a way to draw the zombies off. And so she... You have missed the point um, at the very start of the film where she's locked in her cell, mm-hmm. where she has the two pictures of cats Oh yeah, that she, that she sticks on her wall and then hides under her pillow every day. Um... Just reminding you of that. that carry on. <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> well, clearly she's a cat person. Because uh, the first thing she does, she gets out and she runs through the city and she finds an abandoned dog. Mm-hmm. And she brings the dog back. And then she basically... Can I ask the cat first? Is it the cat first? Yeah, does she the eat cat. the cat then? Yeah, she, she she goes and she eats the cat. Mm. And I was like, oh God, don't eat a cat, no. Hmm. I mean, obviously, the moment I saw the cat, I was like, she's going to eat that thing. Yeah. And uh, she did. And firstly, I felt really bad for her clothes. Because like, she, she just made a big thing about having these new clothes put on. And she's wearing like a, a bright white t-shirt. And I'm like, well, that's a mistake. And now it's all covered in yeah. cat blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the fashion's the real victim in this yeah. film. <laughs> tragic, tragic. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then she eats the cat. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, and then she goes and she finds this dog. And I'm like, she needs a dog as well? <laughs> she's a growing girl. <laughs> well, sure, yeah, I guess. But uh, no, no, no film actually has the guts to kill a dog no, on screen. Sorry, to have a zombie eat a dog on screen. No, no that'll be unacceptable. Um, yeah, I mean, as much of a cat person I am, I do agree that cats are the villains always. Yes. Exactly. So yeah. So yeah. So she brings this dog back and releases it to distract the zombies. The zombies all chase after the dog, mm-hmm. meaning that Glenn Close and the crew can escape, and they eventually find themselves in a kind of mobile laboratory, mm. like a military lab. Yeah. But on the way there, they find a tower, a giant tower that is kind of a fungal... It's the BT tower, that is. It's the BT tower, yeah, but yeah. it's kind of over overgrown by like plants, but also yeah. like there's this fungus that's taken over. Mm-hmm. And also all of the original zombies have become the plants mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it's, it's basically the next stage of this infection mm. thing where... The plants have developed these seed pods mm-hmm. that, if they open, will really spores, and then the virus will go airborne, and then mm-hmm. that's the end of the world. Because then much, every yeah. human will breathe them in and become a zombie. Yeah. So that's the last thing anyone wants to happen. Although Glenn Close seems to be pretty, like, playing this pretty loose. Yeah. She's like, look, I can bounce it on the ground. It's fine. <laughs> How did you find that out? Yeah. If you're wrong, the world ends. That's a huge risk, Glenn Close. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll bounce on the ground five times. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> but, yeah, so God, that... she's mental. She is insane. This is a sporangium, a seed pod. There must be tens of thousands of them in that mass. If they were to open... What? The end of the world. Probably. Why would it be the end of the world if it opened? The hungry pathogen may become airborne. You catch it by just breathing. But look. It's a bad design. Mutants have to take the rough with the smooth. 
But they go and they find this military mobile lab that's like airlocked and secure mm. and it seems to have been abandoned. And they lock themselves in there. Uh, but then the last remaining red shirt goes out to find supplies. Yeah, for some reason he gets sent out by himself. And this guy is clearly not smart. He's clearly the red shirt, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not just he's clearly the red shirt. He's clearly just not very clever. He walks into the most obvious trap that anybody has ever made. He does. It, it, it basically says, I am a trap. Walk into me. Also, he gets he, he goes out into the, the city. And then Melanie, the little girl, says, you need to let me go out too because he's in danger. Yeah. But at no point are they like, well, maybe we should tell him. Yeah. Because we're just like going to send they, a zombie they, child they, they who may well a, eat his face. They do have a working radio at this, but they, they, do, they, yeah. they, they show that after they've had a long conversation about it. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's all plot mechanics, whatever. Mm. But anyway, he gets eaten by feral children. I love the trap they set, though. Yeah. And they just put out, like, a, a small line of tin cans. He's like, oh, a tin can. Great. Oh, another tin can. He is... The, oh, another tin yeah, can. It, it, he is like the virgin at the start of the horror movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, because he goes and finds... It's porno mags initially, isn't it? He breaks into a newsagent. He's like, oh, porn mags. And then he's like... Yeah. And then he follows this one child who's clearly a zombie. He's like, oh, well, well let me follow you into this darkened corner where I'm going to get my face eaten. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he gets eaten. Regardless. Uh, he lasted longer than I thought he would. So then Melanie finds the feral children who are like her. They're second generation zombie children. Mm-hmm. But they're a lot more... They're a lot less uh, civilised. They're just yeah. trying to eat people. And they... They manage to capture... Gemma Arterton and Paddy Considine for a bit, but then Melanie manages to save them by fighting off the lead child and beating mm-hmm. him to death. And then mm-hmm. they, they escape and they go back to the lab. Yeah. And when they're back at the lab, Glenn Close, who's still alive, mm-hmm. reveals that she is dying. She's mm-hmm. got blood poisoning. Oh, uh, yeah, because she injured herself. She injured herself, herself, but she's not a zombie. She's just got blood poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so she's like, I need to finish this vaccine. I'm so close to catching the vaccine. So mm-hmm. she really wants Melanie to agree to be killed mm-hmm. she's like melanie i'm, I'm, I'm gonna de- dissect you I, I, yeah i just like your brain in your spine I just, I just need to cut your brain in your spine open and yeah. everything will be fine for everyone else yeah, yeah. Uh, so she's trying to make her do that but then melanie kind of has a moment of realization where mm. she's like oh actually i am the next generation and you know it, this is the end of the world for humans but it's not mm-hmm. the end of the world for everyone mm-hmm. so she runs away and she goes to this the BT tower of all mm. the seed pods and she sets a fire mm. that causes all the pods to open and all the spores to unleash. Mm-hmm. So she basically unleashes the apocalypse. Yeah. And then Paddy Considine follows her. He get, he breathes in the spores and he starts turning into a zombie or mm. hungry and he begs Melanie to kill him so mm-hmm. she mercy kills him. Glenn Close also gets eaten by children. Yeah. Feral I mean, children. So when uh, Melanie and Glenn Close have this conversation then Melanie runs off just says stay where you are which when she when she said that, I thought it meant like I'll be right back. Yeah, but Glenn Close is like, no, no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and follow this girl somehow. No, I'm gonna wait five minutes and then I'm gonna follow this girl out into central London in the middle of the night when it's overrun by zombies mm-hmm. by myself and I'm about to die in about half an hour anyway. I think that's from why blood poisoning. Yeah, she had minutes to live. She, you know, she had to make a call. I guess, but like Glenn Close, what do you think is gonna happen? Mm. True. I thought Glenn Close was going to be in this movie for like five minutes. Yeah, me too. I was impressed that yeah. she was in most of the movie. I thought it was going to be like one of those things like, oh, I'm in London on a Tuesday. I'll do a little cameo, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, she's a very important part of this film. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know what you mean. I wondered why, if she just needs to dissect a second generation, mm. you know, kidnap a feral kid. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not like, Melanie's already beaten one to death. She clearly doesn't have an emotional attachment to no. them. <laughs> just bring one of them back. Yeah. But... I think it's, this movie obviously has a point of view about um, 
you know, like humanity, and it's obviously like a whole parable about yeah. humanity versus the world. Well, it also might might not have been uh, Glenn Close might have been a little bit mad, and she might be oh make, sure she might be making out that like Melanie is the one that I need, but she might have said that about you know the, the kid number thirteen who died at the start of the film. True, yeah. There's no guarantee that like, she like found. There, there was no point when where she said like. Oh, I've been I've been looking, for, you know, I've been dissecting loads of children, but it turns out Melanie is actually the one. Like she's going to be the one that's going to do this. Yeah, there was no point where she said that proof. It was just like Melanie is another one. That is very true. And Glenn Close is like maybe the next one's going to be the one. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So ultimately, yeah, the spores are released. Paddy Considine dies. Glenn Close dies. And then the last surviving human, who is Gemma Arterton's character, mm-hmm. who's always been the kindest one to the yeah. to, to Melanie. She wakes up and she's still in the lab. So she's in this mm-hmm. kind of uh, locked container, I guess, where mm-hmm. she, she's yeah. it, the spores haven't got to her. Yeah, uh, and she's so she's still safe, but she very quickly realizes that Melanie has brought about the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they have this little moment between the glass where they look at each other. Mm-hmm. But Melanie decides to keep her alive and spare her. Mm-hmm. And then we in, at the end of the movie we see that all the feral children are now being brought to the lab and mm-hmm. Mrs. Justineau is teaching them, mm-hmm. like teaching them a class through yeah. the, through the glass. Yeah. And I guess it's a somewhat hopeful question mark. And my favorite bit, which is kind of how the film ends as well, mm-hmm. is that Melody then comes up to the glass and she blue tacks some pictures of cats to it. Mm-hmm. And Miss Justineau says, Oh, Melody, would you like a cat? <laughs> and, and Melody says, no, Miss Justineau, I already had one. <laughs> <laughs> I am full. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it finishes. Yeah, it is like, a weird, funny joke. For a film that's not like... The film that's not very jokey, it ends on a very like yeah, yeah. jokey moment. Right? Yeah, about murdering a cat. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> bizarre. Very but Absolutely but, bizarre. But very good. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I had a good time with this. Any further thoughts? Um, I liked how it was... Uh, very clearly set in Britain. Yeah, I, I always like a bit of British horror. I think we do it very well. So yeah, yeah, and especially having like one Hollywood American star in it. Yeah, it just makes it. Yeah, it gives it a little air of credibility. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. So obviously we did our Glenn Close season. It, it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. If this film had been part of the Glenn Close season, would it be the best one? Oh, I remember all these shit films again. So hmm. Fatal Attraction, Dangerous Liaisons, Air Force One. Mars, Mars attacks. attacks. Yeah, I think it would have. This would be the best one. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm. yeah. So you chose tro- you chose poorly, John. Well, I didn't know this existed, and and this isn't really a Glenn Close movie. It's a movie Glenn Close is in. So you know, although that's true also of Mars Attacks and yeah. Air Force One. Well, but after the first <laughs> two, I was like, well, this is lose. This is a losing game. So you know, <laughs> well, it was a losing game. Yeah, you clearly lost. Right, enough of that. Uh, should we move on? Drinking games. Yes. Sure. Do you want to go first? Yeah. So drink for recognizable brands. Oh yeah, I loved this. Yeah. I, that's what I always like about like films set in Britain. But this film really leaned into it. Like mm-hmm. it's set in. I think it was filmed in Birmingham. It's set in London. But yes, every time a brand name yeah. is like Marks and Spencers and Next, and like it really added to that general sense of like post-apocalyptic Britain. Yeah. Like okay, drink for classic zombie movie mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like mistakes people always make in zombie movies. What, like, oh, let's go into this small dark room that I need to squeeze in through a gap so small I must take off all my weapons and protective gear? Well, yes, red shirt guy obviously was the worst of the worst. (laughs) But, you know, splitting up. Yeah. Never split up, you know. Split up to explore. Using loud guns. Making a loud noise. That was next on my list, yeah. Turning your back on a window. (laughs) Always, 
<laughs> always death in a zombie movie. Yeah. You turn your back on a pane of glass, that pane of glass is going to shatter and a zombie is going to eat your brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what happens to Glenn Close's like nurse in the... Yeah. yeah. So any like classic zombie movie mistakes, drink. Yeah. Sure. Drink whenever Melanie is mistreated or whenever somebody talks about killing Melanie right in front of her. Mm. Yeah, she's not treated well in this film. No. I don't blame her for ending the world. How would that make you feel? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Drink every time Melanie chows down on something disgusting. Uh, Yeah, I've got drink whenever Melanie Melanie eats something. So, So, uh, you know, a cat. Mm -hmm. um, People. People. What else is... Worm. Yeah, she eats a whole lot of shit. Yeah. 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 Has anybody ever actually tried giving her, like, real food? Maybe she loves it. What, like, broccoli? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just, like, a bowl of Cheerios or something. Sure. Just, like, maybe that just yeah. really Ma- work for yeah. her. Yeah, kids are often very stubborn. They think they only she's, want to eat one thing. But... She's just been brought up with, like, you know, raw meat. So that's all she knows. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What if you try giving her normal food? You, I agree completely. Maybe she loves flapjacks. Yeah. That could have been a much shorter movie. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, uh, drink whenever you see a non-zombified dead body. Okay. I noticed that this kind of set this... It set this film apart from a lot of other zombie movies. Mm-hmm. Where this one, if your body gets injured significantly enough, you're not going to turn into a zombie. Because... Well, you have to be bitten. Yeah. Like, in this one, it's it's an infection. They're trying to keep it in, an, in, in a realm of scientific realism. Yes. Where, like, everything still works. But if somebody's had all their guts eaten and all their muscles are eaten and stuff then they're not going to turn into a zombie and they can't move. They're just They're dead. just dead, yeah. 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 Which, you know, it all makes sense. Yes, absolutely. No, no, this film... Oh, that's what I was going to say. Because, um, like, other, other films, you can, like... Um, you can even decapitate somebody and then their head will Their head will be, be like, a zombie. Yeah, yeah like... it. Well, here's a disturbing bit of trivia for you. Do you know that Ooh. this film has, like, actual scientific basis? All right. Yeah. If you ever want to sleep again, do not Google zombie ants. <laughs> it's a real thing. Have, have you seen that. it? Yeah, like these mushrooms. It's, it's like honestly, this film is obviously taken from it. It's these kind of mushroom or spores in mm. like the African rainforest or something, mm-hmm. where they in they if they get into an ant and they will grow inside the ant's brain mm. and they'll compel the ant to climb up to a perfect ecological climate so that they'll they'll be gravitated to they'll suddenly feel like a desperate need to be somewhere warmer and higher and mm-hmm. whatever it might be or, and with a breeze or whatever it might be mm. and they'll set the ant will go and then the spore will like kill the ant mm-hmm. and then grow from it and then it'll spit its own spores and they can wipe out whole ant civilizations it's terrifying god that is <sighs> it's so creepy yeah <laughs> that is just it's chills it is it's chills yeah. Yeah. Mm. oh man yeah. I love it. Yeah, hopefully it's just stick <laughs> stick to the ants. Yeah, just don't mutate to something else. Please don't mutate, yeah. <laughs> oh, imagine if it did it to start doing it to something bigger. You know, if it starts doing it to just, like, like cattle or something. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that is its own zombie movie. I mean, it's this movie, but yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Pretty scary. Okay, uh, drink every time Melanie removes her mask. Yeah, sorry I'm still thinking about still those Still thinking about those ants. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, they've not done a very good job of securing that mask. No, they're like, no. she could literally eat us, so let's make sure she's wearing a muzzle at all times. But anytime she wants to, she's just like, I don't need this muzzle. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Made me laugh every time she just pulled it off with ease. It was a very convenient mask to find in, in the truck as well. That too. Like, yeah. Oh, we found one mask. 
What should we do with this? Hmm, I don't know. Let's have st- gotten a zombie. We've stuck on the convenient seat on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> also true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, any more? No, I don't have any more. No, okay, la- last one. Drink for every mention of the word hungries, which no. I do find very irritating. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. yeah. So drink any time they could have said zombie. They could have just said zombies, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, all right, listeners, if you've enjoyed this so far and you've enjoyed any any other episode, you might consider saying thank you to me and John. It gets more aggressive every week, I swear to God. <laughs> I try to make it different every week. I, I guess I'm just going in the same direction with it. Um, if you do want to say thank you, you should say thank you. Um, you, you can uh, say thank you by going to patreon.com slash set and supporting John for as much or as little as, you know, you think we're worth. Supporting John for as much or as little as you think we're worth, you just said. Did I? Yeah. Okay, well, you, <laughs> you don't care about yourself, just me. Okay, well, you, you, you know what? Screw me. Go and support John. He needs your money. He, need, he needs the uh, the attention. Um, you know, think think of a John. Support a John near you. Go Thank to patreon.com slash set. And uh, yeah, if you do, you get a few bonus features. You get to hear John talking about a movie that he's seen recently. Yes. Um, sometimes I'll let me talk as well. Um, <laughs> you also get extended versions of the main show where uh, John re-edits in all the things that he cut out of himself talking. It's more John via Buck. Yeah, less Harry, more John. Yeah. It's basically a monologue the extended yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see what else happens. You get the exclusive Facebook group. You get uh, you get a 30 second advert slot on the main show as well. And also, as this episode is, we sometimes do our Patreon episodes. But yes. we get a Patreon to choose a film for us. They can guess if they want to, but clearly they don't have to. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's just great for me and John to um, find a film that we would otherwise definitely never have done no that's it it's it's really good for us it's really cool for us to like see a film that we would never have considered before and that's mm. happened a couple of times recently it's, mm. it's, it's nice yeah broadens our horizons yeah so yeah all that is available at patreon.com slash beyond the box set support a john in need let's see alex uh what do you think of jaws which is at 97 percent rotten tomatoes i find it to be anti-shark propaganda what do you feel about the entourage movie which is at a meager 33 percent i think they finally got hollywood right how about it follows 97 percent worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk how do you feel about juno which is at 94 percent that would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker uh how about bewitched at 25 percent best television adaptation ever put to film how do you feel about american hustle at a towering 93 percent overwrought awards bait righteous kill 19 percent the movie that michael mann wishes he had made when he created heat sounds about right i'm julio i'm alex and we are the contrarians as you can tell our thing is that we rage against the rotten tomatoes machine regardless of what we really feel find us on apple Podcasts, soundcloud stitcher tune in facebook twitter we're everywhere Right, okay. Do you want to go first, then? Sure, okay. Well, wait, it's my film. I mean, I can go first. Is it your film? It's a Patreon film. Oh, it's a Patreon film. Okay, fine, I'll go first. No worries. <laughs> okay, so my sequel idea, it's uh, it's based on a very minor character in this film. Mm. It's based on the dog that <laughs> Melanie brings <laughs> That doesn't surprise the... me you've come for the dog. No, I love, you know, I love a dog. Um, so there was a scene in this film... Why the dog didn't come back at the end? I know. I was like, so I, I was very invested in that dog's future, but sadly the film was not. Mm. Yeah, there's a scene in this film where Melanie finds a dog in a house, in an abandoned house, mm-hmm. and she takes it to the crowd of zombies and uses it to distract the zombies by releasing it. Mm. It runs away, the zombies chase it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that poor dog. Yeah. 
So I thought, I'll give that dog some credit with a sequel. Okay. So I was Is thinking, it a very short-lived sequel? It ran down a dead end. It did. No, no, this dog lives. Okay. So it's your classic, like, Pixar-style animation about a dog named Snuffles. Okay. Yeah. Who, so is that intentionally the Rick and Morty dog? I, I can't remember where it came from, but sure. Because that's what the dog is called. Yeah. It just came to me. Hmm. Yeah. A dog named Snuffles who survives a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like we're going to drop into the middle of the action, much like the original film. Mm. So um, the dog is already surviving, living on the streets, hunting for scraps, you know, just uh, avoiding all the human zombies. You know? mm. Yeah. But there'll also be, we'll also get some flashbacks. Oh, we need a voice for this dog first and foremost. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Irons. Good, good shout. Good shout. Great. I'll go with that. Yeah. So we're going to get some flashbacks to his former life as a beloved household pet, mm-hmm. you know, a pampered pooch. Mm-hmm. So, because it's from a dog's perspective, he, he doesn't know what's going on. Like, he doesn't understand that this world-ending situation has happened. Mm-hmm. All he knows is that one day, out of nowhere, his mistress ate his master <laughs> and then tried to eat him. Okay. So, he ran away. He fled from his, his house. And when he came back, his mistress was gone. So, he waited in that same house for several months. Mm. Nobody came back. You know, just Again, just living on scraps, whatever he could find. And he just kept waiting there, living in that house, waiting for his mistress to come back and claim him again, not yeah, understanding yeah. that she was an undead zombie at this point. Yeah. So she never does come back, sadly. But one day, after several months of living like this, a strange little girl breaks into the house and comforts him. Mm-hmm. And he trusts her, and he feels like maybe she's going to rescue him and reunite him with his master and mistress. And she picks him up and walks him out of the house. And he thinks, oh, maybe I found a new owner, and this is great. Mm. Uh, but then she walks him into a huge crowd of hungries, mm. And drops him, and they all chase him, forcing him to run for his life again. Mm-hmm. He manages to escape. He runs away again. Uh, but now he feels extra terrified and completely completely betrayed. So he hides he hides again in like the side streets in his old house and stuff. Yeah. He does make, make friends with a ginger cat, but she doesn't last very long. <laughs> she disappears very quickly. Okay. <laughs> That's the one that Melly actually ate. Ah, right. Oh, I thought it was a black cat. Oh, was it a black cat? I thought it was a... Me- well, a cat. Mm. Yes. Uh, he makes friends with a cat who gets eaten. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Now he's extra scared of humans, but he just spends his time hiding away trying to protect himself. After another few days, he notices a giant fire breaking out in the city, mm-hmm. which is obviously the fire that Melanie sets, yes. yeah, opening yeah. the spores. So he watches, helpless, as this giant fire spreads through the city and suddenly all these spores spread through. Mm. But it turns out that dogs are immune to this. Mm-hmm. It only affects humans. Yeah. So he doesn't quite know what's going on, but all he knows is there's a giant fire... Then all these weird spores kind of hit the city and everything goes quiet, Mm -hmm. basically. But you can sense that something's definitely not right. Mm. When the fire dies down, things do seem a little bit calmer. It seems like the original zombies, the Hungries, maybe the the spores also cause them to like deactivate so they Mm. go to sleep and they don't wake up anymore. Yeah. So the place feels safer, but it's just, it's super deserted and quiet and dead. Mm. Because of that, because it's quieter, he feels bold enough to like explore a little bit more. Mm. He's okay to like travel around a little bit. So yeah. he wanders through the city and he encounters the feral children. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the children mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. who eat, eat the, the red shirts. And they also seem to have calmed down a little bit. They seem less hungry than they were before. <laughs> so he cautiously goes up to them and they, you know, show that they are not going to eat him. Mm-hmm. And they bond with him a little bit. And he slowly and surely becomes accepted into the pack mm-hmm. of this pack of feral children, street children. And after a few days of this, after a bit of time of him, you know, working with them and making sure that they fully accept him, they 
take him to meet their leader, mm. who is Melanie. Mm-hmm. So he's shocked immediately as soon as this dog is taken to meet Melanie. He recognizes her as the the girl who tried to feed him to the zombies, and he's very scared again. Yeah. But she also recognizes him as the dog that she fed to the zombies, and she feels very guilty, and she apologizes, and she tries to make amends for the way that she treated him and for what she did. And she tells him that she actually needs him for a very important mission. And she picks him up again, and he lets her. And she takes him to the military bunker. Mm-hmm where she tells him that the last surviving human in the whole world mm. is very lonely and mm. needs a companion. No, I know, right? So she introduces this Snuffles to Mr. Mrs. Justineau. Mm-hmm. And after an appropriate period of quarantine, after an appropriate period of quarantine, I can't <laughs> speak it, he's able to go into the lab with her. Mm-hmm. And she's been like in full solitary confinement for several months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she strokes him very tentatively and she's very excited. And the film ends with Snuffles finally playing happily with his new human mistress, the last human alive, mm-hmm. uh, behind the closed glass while she teaches all the zombie children. Oh, right, okay. So, yeah, it's just a nice redemptive arc for the dog. I remember that dog looking like it was a very old dog. Well, let's just say it was just had, had a hard life. Okay, great. Just, just think about how long is it going to last in with uh, Mrs. Justin before it... It's going to be fine. Uh, sorry. <laughs> in a post-credit scene... In a post-credit... No. <laughs> little, gra- little gravestone? No! No. Just a little gravestone, shape of a bone? That can be the third film, which I'm not like. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, do you have a title for that? Uh, yes. So the original film was The Girl with All the Gifts. So my sequel is called The Dog with All the Treats. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So mine is set about 10 years later. Okay. After the events of the original film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, sort of thing. So Melanie is about now 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the self-proclaimed Queen of Britain. She is the the new leader, the, the queen of the zombie Hungries, the queen mm-hmm. of Hungries. Okay. Yeah, and she lives in her favorite building, um, which, um, though she does know about Buckingham Palace, her favorite building is actually the British Museum. <laughs> okay, great. Um, museum, which is largely untouched from the zombie apocalypse, because why would that be a place that you'd raid? Sure, it's boring. Um, and so it still has all the paintings and statues and things. Oh, nice, okay. reason for this being, Melanie is obsessed with the history of humanity. Good, okay. She likes to learn about the people who used to think they owned the world, and uh, she doesn't feel that she owned the world, but more, her people just live on it for now. Okay, it's a much healthier attitude. Yeah. yeah. Well, one day one of her disciples brings back some Hungries who are wearing army uniforms. Mm-hmm. This is odd because they haven't been Hungries for about 10 years. Okay, so they've evolved beyond the Hungry stage. Mm, yeah, all right. the old Hungries eventually grew into mushrooms. Okay. Melanie claims that this must mean that there are some alive humans in London. Or at least there were fairly recently, and there might be more. Mm-hmm. So she commands everybody to be ready to meet some humans. She explains to them that humans can't breathe the air here, and that they might try and kill us to steal the world back from us. <laughs> So she leads a few people out on a, on a search party with her, and they eventually find some humans living in an army base. So they've survived the spore thing. They're mm-hmm. fully human. Yeah. Okay. She observes them for a few days and sees that they only come out with masks on, meaning that they've learned that the air is toxic to them. Ah, okay. Um, so she, she marches up to the fence by herself and shouts to them just to make herself known. One of them brushes over, and seeing from their point of view, just a young woman without a mask on... They assume that she's in trouble and not yet infected by the toxic air. Mm-hmm. So they let her in, and without listening to her, they force a mask on her until they can get her inside. And once through the airlock and decontamination, she's allowed to take her mask off. The person who rushed her into the building 
Meryl Streep. Oh, interesting. Is this because Glenn Close is in this movie? You had to have Mer- you had to go one above and go Meryl Streep. For yeah. Me. Okay. Go big or I'll go home. Go big or go home. Sure. <laughs> so Meryl, in an American accent. Um, asked Melanie who she is and how she survived living in Britain so long. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that seems like a very pointed question for an American. How did you survive living in Britain this long? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Look laughs> you, Yankee. <laughs> but Melanie isn't stupid, so before she reveals who she is and, and what she is, she wants to learn basically those same things about Meryl. Sure. Like, yeah. Who are you? Mm-hmm. So she asks and Meryl explains, and this is just... The bulk of this is going to be exposition from, okay. the, from here on. Yeah, Merrill explains that the whole world didn't fall with the zombie apocalypse, and some countries had much lighter infections and were able to combat and quarantine appropriately. Mm-hmm. When the world saw what happened to Britain, as in the whole country just failed, mm-hmm. the whole world locked down, but much more extremely than 2020. So we were like <laughs> the, the guinea pigs. We were like the canaries down the mineshaft. When Britain fell, the rest of the world was like, oh, not us. Basically, yeah. Okay. But you could say, like, it's an infection that just originated in Britain. Like, say, coronavirus came from China. Yeah, no, sure. And, you know, country zero or whatever you'd call yeah, it. Yeah, we are patient zero in this yeah. scenario. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so, great yeah. so all transport between continents immediately stopped and permanently stopped. And quarantines were set up along most international borders, especially Europe. And eventually the virus did mutate and go airborne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little, little did uh, anybody know that that was a uh, deliberate choice. Sure. Um, but it went airborne and hence most of Europe fell. And uh, the UN demanded that Russia and the Middle East must be evacuated, stop the spread of the virus to the rest of the world. Well, just evacuate all of Russia and the Middle East? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just like make a massive barrier. Um, do you know how they stop forest fires? No. They cut down a strip of trees. Oh, sure, yeah. And then, like, the fire can't get past that. Oh, is that the idea, then? So basically like that. Okay. Yeah. So not so much evacuating as quarantining. Well, no, I guess evacuating, just like, if this virus is airborne, you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. But if you make a an area where it can't really cross because it's so vast, mm-hmm. you know, because there's no life in there for it for it to live off. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yes, it does, yeah. But it, uh, what I mean is the entirety of Russia has not been evacuated. Well, at least the, the, the western half, maybe. Okay. I don't know, but like a mass- They've all just retreated to the Siberian side, yeah. sure. Okay. But some people refused to leave their homes. Sure. Which caused Russia to execute thousands of Russians. Okay. It gets very extreme. Um, same thing happened in the Middle East, and the World Health Organization declared nuclear war. Oh, dear. Can they do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> in, I very much doubt it. No. In this, they can. Okay. Millions of people were killed, but... The plan worked, and the airborne virus was stopped by thousands of miles of lifeless land and open water. Okay. Billions of lives were saved. Good. So. Okay. East and South Asia, Oceania, the Americas, largely untouched from the virus. Mm-hmm. But there were a few outbreaks here and there. Um, and with extremely violent military tactics carried out by the World Health Organization, the outbreaks were contained. Is the World Health Organization the villain in this movie you've made? The surviving governments have formed an alliance and declared war against the World Health Organization. Did Donald Trump pay you to write this? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> However, Merrill and her team are an independent mer- uh, military team. Okay. I nearly said Merrill team. An independent Merrill mili- mel- team. <laughs> um, who have come to try and end the war. Um, and they'll do so by finding patient zero and developing a vaccine. Okay, sure. Much with, like what Glenn Close wanted to do. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Because with this vaccine, exactly what Glenn Close wanted to do. Because with this vaccine, there'll be no further 
like isolated outbreaks, like mm-hmm. you know, like a little particle or spore gets across an ocean and lands itself in a different continent, that would just stop. That wouldn't mean that wouldn't mean anything if everybody's va- vaccinated. Sure. And so, hence, there'd be no further need for the World Health Organization ending said war. Okay, very good. All makes sense. Yes. And at this point, Melanie decides to own up to who she is. <laughs> she says that ten years ago, she made made a childish decision to take the world away from humanity mm-hmm. because she didn't feel it was fair for her oh, to so die. Oh, so she regrets that now? Yes. But now she is wiser, and she decides not to make the same selfish mistake and cause a decade of pain for billions of people. Mm-hmm. So she offers up her body and asks that when Meryl comes to name the vaccine, she calls it the Justino vaccine. Okay. Oh, that's nice. About- As Miss Justino was the person who brought Melanie... Is Miss Justino dead now? Yes. Okay. Uh, she brought Melanie to this point in her maturity. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Is that it? That's it, yeah. Oh, very good. No, I like that. Bit of a bit of a war epic. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to say she, it, it needed to be called like a melanoma. <laughs> but no, the, the just to know vaccine is much, is much nicer. Yeah. yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> so for lack of a better name, the girl with all the gifts to Revenge of the World Health Organization. Revenge of the World Health Organization. Wow. That, that seems very much like right-wing propaganda, but yeah. we are, this, this podcast is not sponsored by Donald Trump, we promise. <laughs> okay, the girl with all the gifts to vaccinate your kids. There we go, that's better. Yeah, yeah does, that, does that work? Yeah, sort <laughs> of. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, 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 very good, very good, very good. Um, I'm sorry, that was very silly and does not represent me politically. No, <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> the idea is good. I'll, I'll, I like the basic plot line of it. Uh, should we move on to listener submissions? Mm-hmm. What have you got? Right, I've got a fair few here. Okay. So, um, Abhishek Pandey says, a prequel trilogy called The Girl with None, Some, and Most of the Gifts. Okay, so she... Gradually develops more gifts yeah. as time goes by, sure. I guess. Michael Daniel says, I'm surprised given the trend of crap films getting sequels for no reason that this one still hasn't. Honestly, one of the most overhoped films of the last few years, and with that base scene being laugh out loud bad. Overhyped? I'd literally never heard of this before this podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't overhyped here, but sure, okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Bradley Malbin says, What's funny about this is that it was filmed in my shithole hometown and it barely had to change anything. Yeah, I told you. Okay. Um, I think they even put out a casting call for locals to play zombies. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say it, but like, did they need makeup? Did they need, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, performances were really solid, in my opinion, especially from Considine. Yeah, I agree. Good, yeah. Good, good acting in this film. Ahmed Ali says, The Last of Us have all the gifts. Oh, yes, that's because a lot of people said that this film had the exact same plot as a PlayStation game called The Last of Us. Mm. I've not played it, but sure. Played a bit of it, but no. Didn't know it was a zombie game. You mustn't have got very far then. I didn't get very far, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, David Bean says, the girl with all the dot gifts. Dot gifts, as in like online gifts? Yeah, as in like the image, the gif. Oh, all the gifs, okay, I see. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Graydon Condon says, the boy with 17.3% more gifts. It's about the gender pay gap now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very clever, yeah. And finally, just a little review. Ella Bethel says, God, this is one of my favourite films. It's so underrated. It is underrated. I agree, Alice. Really yeah, good choice. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Okay, I have some as well. Uh, Jed Jong said, The girl with all the gifts. The surviving characters argue about whether to pronounce it with a hard or a soft G. <laughs> gifts versus gifs. You know? mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike Carey said, The girl with all the grits. 
A scientist working in another part of the world realises the cure for the fungal infection can be found in back issues of Grit magazine. <laughs> if only she can find enough subscribers. She seeks out the one person who ever sold enough subscriptions to get the bike to get the bike and together they team up to save the world. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing Grit magazine is an American bike magazine? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But sure. Uh, Dennis Fanning said the girl with even more gifts. Great. Kevin Murray said the girl with all the gifts too. Boxing Day. Tagline, she was also the girl of all the receipts. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Sorry, Walt Williams said the man with all the gifts, otherwise known as Santa Claus the movie. <laughs> uh, over on Twitter, Julio, who recommended this film at Contrarian Prime, said the old woman with none of the gifts. Miss Justineau has grown old and can feel she doesn't have much time left. She asks Melanie to take her into her hometown to die in peace. On the way, they run into humans who somehow were immune to the spores. Who will Miss Justin no side with? Mm, so that's a proper pitch there. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah. Blokebusters at Blokebusters said, I've got no serious sequel ideas this time. I felt it was really well wrapped up. However, the boy with none of the gifts. Wait, that's Harry Potter. <laughs> or the one with some of the gifts. A quite boring Friends Christmas episode. <laughs> at Link Moximilian said, Turns out it was all just a dream and Melanie is still is still in the facility. But now she's able to save all the other children because she knows what will happen. Mm-hmm. Also, I guess it's a dream while she's still locked oh, up. Ah, right, yeah. What happened to the kids in that facility? Oh, um, they burnt to death, I'm they, pretty sure, yeah. They're, they, they're dead. They, yeah, they're gone. Yeah. It's a dark movie. They probably all just starved to death in their cells. Quite bleak, yeah. You know. But yeah, pretty much. And finally, How to Survive Your Twenties at H Your Twenties said, Not seen this film, but have wanted to for some time. However, the next title should be The Girl With No Gifts, a Christmas-based sequel when a young girl leads an army to try and find Santa Claus after not getting any presents that year. <laughs> so, yeah, all very good ideas. So thank you, everybody, for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. So listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set. You can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave a five-star review if you want, which really helps us to reach new listeners. As mentioned before, we are also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would raise us five stars or more if they could. You can find all the links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. And next week, Harry, mm-hmm. we are doing another Patreon episode. Ah, oh, sweet. We have a special guest, Nathaniel DeBell, friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. is going to be joining us with one of his favourite Japanese movies mm-hmm. called Survive Style 5 Plus. Okay. So, a little obscure, a little bit of a mouthful, but uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. Surprise, surprise, I've not heard of it. Yeah, something a little bit different. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. So, thank you, everybody. Join us next week for Survive Style 5 Plus. And uh, thank you, Harry. And we will see you next week. Yeah, see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. The end of the world. Probably. Probably.